here at Wellspring. Um, and to catch us up really simply, um, what this series is about is discovering Wellspring. And I, and I say this all the time, and I hope you're picking up on it. Really simply, um, Wellspring is a Jesus church, right? When people ask you what type of church Wellspring is, right, when you, when you tell them about this church at the YMCA, and they go, what type of church that is that? Most of the time they're asking about your um, denominational affiliations or whatever um, theological or doctrinal positions you're affirming or subscribing to. Um, but my first answer is always um, we're a Jesus church, right? We're committed to following Jesus. We're committed to being changed by Jesus, and we're committed to the mission of Jesus, right? And I, and I say that often because I, I want you to remember that that's, that's what you're hearing. That that's what this family is here. And we've spent the last two weeks in John chapter number four. It's a familiar story um, known to a lot of people as the woman at the well, right? And, and it's where we get the namesake for our church. It's found here because Jesus sits down um, with this woman and says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. And then he says, indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Right? And the true things we've seen about Jesus in this story, in this passage, we hope can be true about us here at Wellspring, right? Right. There's some of the things that we talked about is that Jesus isn't interested in religious scorekeeping. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today because it shows up in the passage again, right? He's not interested in religious scorekeeping. Jesus doesn't call you to a big dramatic performance. Jesus is calling you to a deep life. Jesus doesn't want something from you, right? A lot of times people, you'll talk to people and they're, they're slow to follow Jesus because they're like, I, I don't know all the things I'll have to give up, right? Without even considering that Jesus doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you, right? And, and the idea that Jesus doesn't offer you a better life. That's not the offer that Jesus makes to you. He doesn't offer you a better life. Jesus offers you real life as a follower of him. Jesus offers you real life. Right, not just a better life. And last week, we saw that the worshipers that God is looking for, right, the true worshipers that God is looking for, are the ones who will worship him with their deepest and truest self. Remember, that's what in spirit and in truth means, that God is looking for worshipers who will worship him with, with their deepest and truest self. No mask, no hiding, that's the worshipers that Jesus, that our God is looking for. And today we're going to continue in this story. And, and I want us, all of us, as the Jesus church that we are aspiring to be, to take the next few moments together and to consider how. Consider how we can embody this part of the story that we're going to be looking at individually and collectively together, right? So read along with me. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, you can go ahead and turn them to John chapter number four, verse number 28. We're going to have it on the screen also so you can follow along. Um, it says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. 
Meanwhile, his disciples, now remember, his, Jesus had sent his disciples away at the beginning of this passage to go find food because he wanted to have a conversation with this woman here. So it says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Remember, like I said, Jesus sent these guys away for the purpose of buying food. So this was kind of like a fair question that they were asking. They didn't really understand what was happening. And you might have similar moments to to what the disciples are having here with Jesus, similar moments where you don't really understand everything that's happening around you or why exactly it's happening. And your questions probably aren't dumb questions, right? Sometimes when you read this story, I like to give the disciples a hard time um, because I like to give myself a hard time and I like to pick on people every now and then. So I like to give the disciples a hard time in this story because they, they, you know, they went out to buy food and they come back and they're like, Jesus says, like, um, I quote it in the Simpsons because I say this phrase a lot. I say, like, I have meat that you know not of. That's how Jesus says it in the Simpsons. That's a really cool way to say it, right? And they're like, did someone, did someone, did someone bring him some food or something like that? Like, they have no idea what's going on. And that might seem like a dumb question. And maybe sometimes when you're trying to figure out what's going on around you or inside you or why it's happening, you have these questions and you might feel like maybe they're dumb. But, but really, it's not a dumb question. They just don't realize what's happening. And let me say, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Sometimes I don't get it either. Right? Sometimes there's things that's happening in me or around me, and I just don't get it either. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you have those questions that bounce around in your head, bounce around in your heart, I want to encourage you, like, man, don't, don't be too hard on yourself. Right? Don't be too hard on yourself. Maybe don't be too hard on others, other people around you um, if it's not clicking, if you don't get it. Try to listen sometimes, right? Just watch what Jesus says in verse number 34. He says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. My food, Jesus says, uh, what fuels me and what nourishes me is to do the will of the Father, right? Let, let me ask you this question. Has anybody been hungry this week? Anybody been hungry this week? Sometimes I'm, I'm the type of person where I, like, get carried away, and all of a sudden it'll be, like, 4 o'clock, and I'll be like, I, I am starving right now. And I didn't realize I didn't eat lunch, right? So maybe you've been hungry this week. Food nourishes us. It fuels us. Right, and, and I have a pretty boring diet um, when people are watching. When people aren't watching is when my diet gets excited, right? Um, but for the most part, I have a pretty boring diet when it comes to food um, because I want, uh, I want it to fuel me. I'm looking for fuel. Um, and when I get hungry, something else happens sometimes maybe that you'll identify with. I don't just get hungry. I get hangry. Anybody in here get hangry or you know someone? who gets hangry sometimes. My wife is preparing for a bodybuilding show right now. And let me just tell you, you don't know hangry, okay? You don't know it. You don't know it, all right? But sometimes people get hangry, right? I can turn into, like, you know the Snickers commercials? Like, I go full diva when I get, when I'm, what I just referenced a second ago, when I'm like, oh, it's four o'clock. Why am I so hungry? That's not, that's how it sounds in my head. How it sounds to everyone else? A little bit different than that, right? Because that's something that all of us 
identify with. So, so stay with me. Stay with me just for a second. As a Christ follower, I get fuel and I get nourishment from doing God's will and from doing God's work. As a Christ follower, I get fuel and I get nourishment from doing God's will and doing God's work. Now, now there's a big phrase in there that sometimes like scares people, from doing God's will. That's what Jesus said. He says, my, my meat or my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of mystery around God's will for us, right? For some people, it even paralyzes them. I, I know some people that feel like they feel like they can't do anything unless like there's a sign from heaven or they see some sort of like something that they can point to to be like, ah, God wants me to, you know, get a mortgage or, or whatever it is. Like, like they don't do anything without really seeing some sort of sign because it can paralyze us. And unfortunately, I've even seen the mystery of God's will in people's lives really used um, to manipulate and control people or declare that, oh, what you're doing is not God's will, right? And, and so listen, I, I want to remind you, we are committed to following Jesus. We're committed to being changed by Jesus. And we're also committed to the mission of Jesus, right? That, that, that's sharing the love and life of God through what we do and what we say. God's will for you, hear this loud and clear. God's will for you as a Jesus follower is to be committed to his mission, how he's gifted you and where you are. I don't want to present God's will to you or to anyone as some kind of mystery that you need me to unravel for you, right? God's will isn't some sort of mystery that you need me to unravel for you so you can do what I want to do, right? Like, it, it really, God's will for you is simple. I'm, I'm hoping I can simplify it for each and every one of us today. It's simple. Like, commit to following Jesus. Commit to being changed by Jesus, and then commit to the mission of Jesus. Live the same type of life that Jesus did, and that will fuel you, and it will nourish you. Like, like I, don't, I don't know about you, um, but I've seen some hangry people around church sometimes, right? Like, I'm talking about, like, some spiritually hangry folks, right? Like, um, people that you're around, um, and they're really not uh, uh, that fun to be around. Right at church, you're like, oh, I think you should remind your face to shave, man. Like, but they're just spiritually hangry, right? They're not fun to be around, and you're like, hey, like, where's where's the love? Where, where's the hope? Where's the joy? Where's the courage? Where's the faith? Where's the life that you say that you have, right? And, and, and I think each and every one of us kind of you get what I'm talking about, right? Because there's really three reasons why people could be spiritually hangry, right? And one of them. Um, it's either because um, they might be confused about what specific thing they should be doing. A, a lot of times when people think about God's will for their life, they think about one specific thing that they should be doing, right? Everyone is looking for one thing, right? And, and, and that really is speaking to the longing that all of us have for purpose. When you think about God's will for your life, you're like, oh, no, I don't want to miss it. There's this one thing out there that I have to be doing that's God's specific will for my life. I want to encourage you. It's simple. Be committed to following Jesus. Be committed to being changed by Jesus. And being committed to the mission of Jesus 
And then I'm going to tell you, like, go do what you want, right? But, and, and don't hear that as like, oh, pa- preacher says I can do what I want. <laughs> I love telling myself preachers. That's, that's when I'm joking myself. It's funny. Right? No, oh, I can just do whatever I want. No, that's not what I'm saying. Like, if you take it as that, like, I think you've missed what following Jesus means, right? Being committed to following Jesus. Being committed to being changed by Jesus. Being committed to the mission of Jesus, right? It's easy because people get confused because they're looking for one specific thing out there that I should be doing, and if I miss it, I might waste my whole life. It's either that or um, they want to have, maybe they want to have what someone else has. Right? Have you ever met anyone that it seems like they have so much clarity about what they're supposed to be doing with their life? They have so much clarity about their purpose and their next step. And you look at that and you go, maybe I should be doing what they're doing. Right? Like, I, 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 want, I want this thing that they have. They have this clarity. They're, um, they're going on mission trips. Maybe, maybe I should go on a mission trip. Or, or they, they adopted a kid. Maybe, maybe I should adopt a child. Right? When you're looking for purpose, you're looking for that one thing. A lot of times you just want to compare yourself to someone else. But, but, but hear me on that. Like that, that is tied back to that scorekeeping, right? You think, oh man, this person, they're ahead in the score cards than I am. They're more, they have more points than I have. I want, I want what they have. Be, be careful with that. Be careful with comparing yourself to someone else. Listen, hear me. Jesus is interested, God is interested in you on your journey. Not you in someone else's journey, right? He's interested in you on your journey. Be, be careful about the scorekeeping. Be careful about the comparison game of seeking validation. Maybe I'll be validated if I do this thing that they're doing, right? So people get spiritually hungry because they're looking for this one specific thing, right? Maybe this one, like if we can talk about, if we can keep on using the food analogy, they're looking for like the one thing they should be eating. Or maybe they're looking on someone else's plate and going like, I want that. That's what I, that's what I want to be eating. Or um, maybe a person is spiritually hangry um, because they're trying to get full just doing life their own way. Right? I'm trying to fill up spiritually just doing life my own way. Right? They get it backwards. I'm going to go do whatever I want, and then I'm going to try to figure out how I can follow Jesus still doing what I want. And then I'm going to try to figure out how I can change like the things, what I want, how I can change other things that I don't really care about and let Jesus change those things. And I'm going to keep on doing what I want, and I'm going to find how the mission of Jesus will somehow fit into this little box for me. You get it backwards. Like the first thing is committed to follow Jesus. Like, man, I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow his teachings. I want to live the way that he lived. Man, I want to be changed by Jesus. There's things in me that should be different if I'm a Christ follower. And I'm going to allow him to change those things about me. And I want to be committed to his mission. I want to love people. I want to connect to people. I want to see people at the soul level and share with them the life and the love of God that I have access to. And then I'm going to do what I want. When you do it in that order, yeah, because the things that you want might look a little different if you're following Jesus, if you're being changed by Jesus, if you're committed to his mission, right? Um, So Jesus asks about those things also. Um, He says, and I really like this phrase, I've read this phrase so many times, We've actually never picked up on what he's doing here when he brings up this phrase um, uh, in verse number, I think it's 35. Yeah, verse number 35. He says, 
but it's still four months to harvest. He goes, you guys have this phrase, right? It's still four months to harvest. That's a phrase, actually, that they used back then as, like, procrastinating, right, as procrastination, which how I didn't pick up on that is great. I would be using this phrase all the time. I'm, like, the ultimate procrastinator. Like, um, my grass really needed cut yesterday, and it was sunny, and it was perfect day to do it. And I was like, you know what? But tomorrow. But tom- come by tomorrow to do it, right? Like, I am the ultimate procrastinator. And so Jesus right here is actually calling out that type of procrastinating mindset of like, well, I mean, there's still four months to harvest, right? I, I still have time. And the reason why Jesus is pushing against this idea is so that you and I would understand that his kingdom isn't someday. His kingdom is today. His kingdom isn't someday. His kingdom is today. The well of living water that's in you, that's springing up to eternal life, is not for someday. It's for today, right? What, what we talk about, that eternal life, it's not some destination. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about you having access to life today, right? You don't have to wait. Hear this. You don't have to wait to be a part of Jesus' mission someday. It's not for someday. It's for today. He says, open your eyes. Look at the fields, right? Listen, if you want to see the love of Jesus impact your life, your world, the world around you, he says, open your eyes. He's saying, hey, come alive. Wake up. Open your eyes. Get your eyes off the scoreboard and look at the field. That's what he's saying. Don't get your eyes off the scoreboard. Look at the field. I cannot tell you the amount of people who are looking for something real to believe in. Like, man, I have conversations every week with people that are looking for something real to believe in. I see every, not just the people I know, I even see in culture. I was, I was talking with uh, Craig just this week, this comedian who's like got this huge uh, this huge platform was talking about how he's looking for something real about how he went to a church and how it was it was just different, man. And he's looking for something real to hold on to. I see it every single day, and we have it now. We don't have to wait for someday. We have it now. Listen, you cannot keep your eyes on the scoreboard and on the field at the same time. Right? You can't keep your eyes on comparing yourself or seeing where you're at or comparing yourself to another person or how religious you are or patting yourself on the back by all the good things that you've done. You can't keep your eyes on the scoreboard and your eyes on the field at the same time. And Jesus tells you, get your eyes on the field. Look at what is happening around you. See the people. In verse number 36, he says, even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Listen, there is satisfaction in doing the will of God, right? In being committed to the mission of Jesus. I, I love the phrase that he uses here. He's very specific. He says, even now the one who reaps draws a wage, right? Gets payment today, right? <laughs> like you get fed today, draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. Listen, 
the number one way, the number one way to help yourself out of maybe the cloud of negativity or pain or despair or doubt, the number one way to help yourself out of those places is by helping someone else. That's the number one way to get out of, man, when I feel like anxiety is just overwhelming me, you know what makes me less anxious? Looking at this screen. I'm going, man, there's people out here that I can connect with. Man, there's people out here that I can share this life that I have with. When I'm struggling with doubt or despair, the number one way to lift yourself out of that is by looking through the field and helping someone else. And so all of us as conquerors can get it onto the field, realize that life isn't all about you. That's why I love house church. There's a reason why I love house church. I like this. The reason why my favorite part is high-fiving and talking to people is you get a real connection with other people. I love house church because I get to be known. I get to be seen and known by other believers. And I get to see and know other believers, what they're going through, what they're struggling with. And I actually get to have my life pour into theirs, and they pour their life into mine. And, and there's something special about that. That's why I love house church. I said this week, house church is the best church, right? House church is the best type of church. If you haven't gotten plugged into one of our house churches, you should do that. You just, you just talk to me right after service. You can talk to one of our elders right after service. We can get you plugged in, let you know what our meeting schedule is. But, man, realizing that life isn't about you and it's the opportunity to take this life, this everlasting life that's streaming up or out of you, you can actually pour it in to other people and you get nourished and fueled pursuing God's will right, by committing to the mission of Jesus, right? Doing life with other people. Watch this. Jesus said they were reaping the benefit of someone else's labor. And, and just for a second, just to maybe zoom out just a little bit, so are we. Like everyone in here is benefiting or has benefited to someone else's labor. Someone else pouring their life, pouring the life that they've received from Jesus into you or into the people who poured them into you. That's what's so cool about being a Christ follower, being part of his church. We've all benefited from someone else's labor. Do you know that this church started because 2,000 years ago, people met in the upper room of a house, right? And the church began there in the upper room of a house. And it just grew and grew and grew and grew because people were willing to commit to follow Jesus, to be changed by Jesus, and they were committed to the mission of Jesus. Stop looking for this one giant grand thing that you think will completely transform your life. You already have it. It's the life of Jesus. And so you have to commit to that. Commit to loving the people around you. And it'll, I'm telling you, it'll blow you away. It'll blow you away the depth of life that that pulls you into. It'll blow you away how you could step out of your own despair and your own doubt and be encouraged by the people around you just by doing God's will, just by committing to the mission of Jesus, showing people and sharing the love and life that God told us to do and what he's saying by being open, by being a true worshiper, right? Um, not hiding, not behind a mask, but being seen and known. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what Jesus is urging his disciples to see here in this story. Just to know that we were a part of something that started 2,000 years ago that was passed down, that was passed down, that was passed down, that eventually
actually got something. Man, what an incredible thing to be a part of that we can then claim and be a part of again, uh, being a part of that fulfilling and committing to the mission of Jesus. And I want to show you what happens when we do that. All right, verse number 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She told him everything that she did. So, when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his word, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Now, I want to encourage you with something. There will be people, you know people, who will believe because you tell them, because you show them. That is a fact. There are people in your life who will believe because you tell them, because you're the one who shows them. It's your credibility. It's your relationship that you've extended to them that will impact them, right? It's the relationship and the impact that you have on them. And then they'll believe because they experience it for themselves. That's how, that's how it happens, right? Like right now, I'll tell you, I'm believing for some people. There are some people that I am believing for, right, that, that I'm communicating with, that I'm talking to, that I'm sharing my life with. I'm believing for them, and I also believe that they will believe for themselves too. And maybe for you, as you think about your own faith, I just want to ask you this question. Like, is it yours? Is the faith that you have, is it your faith? Or, or is it your father's? Is it your mother's? Is it your grandmother's? Is it, is it someone who poured into you? And that, if that's their faith, is, is your faith yours? But man, there's a whole generation. My, my generation, there's a whole generation of us that have walked away or, or are starting to walk away because that faith was your mother's, that faith was your father's, but the faith never became theirs, never theirs. And, and so, man, maybe do some investigating of your own faith, your own belief. Is, is this mine? Do I own this? Are you leaning on someone else's faith? And, and let me just tell you, I, I'm, not, I'm not demonizing your faith. Sometimes it's like that. There's a part in my journey, in my story, and I'll tell you the truth, sometimes even on some bad days, I'm leaning on someone else's faith, right? Sometimes it's like that, but there needs to come a time in your own life, in your own journey with Jesus, that you believe not because of someone else, but you believe because of Jesus. And I, I'm going to ask Brandon to go ahead and come up and play as we're, as we're kind of closing down, winding down, whatever that looks like. If you are a Christ follower, let me ask you this. Are there people in your life that are believing because of your story? That's a good question. Really think about that. Are there people in your life who are believing because of your story? This woman had a brief encounter with Jesus. And because of her story, there were people who started to follow Jesus because of her story. Are there people in your life like that? Who, who are they? Think of that. And maybe if you don't have people in your life that you can think of, I would encourage you, go get you some. They're all over the place. Go get you some people. Go tell your story. 
we don't have to have this wild story of transformation, right? A lot of times we're like, I don't know what story I want to tell people because I wasn't the lead singer of a rock and roll band strung out on heroin and Jesus radically saved me. You know, like I don't, I don't have a cool story like that. You don't need a story like that. You need your story. And, and maybe you have a story of like, man, I, I started to follow Jesus when I was like five years old. I was six years old. I was raised in the family. I started to follow Jesus so early. I don't know if that's really an interesting story to tell someone. I just want to tell you this. Like any story where your story and God's story intersect is an interesting story. Like that's a story that people want to hear. And, and maybe it's from a long time ago. I would just encourage you, tell the most recent story where your story and God's story intersect. Because isn't that the best story? That's what this woman did. This woman didn't have an education. She didn't have a discipleship process. This woman wasn't baptized. This woman wasn't known all the religious things that you want to do. This woman had none of it. She had a story. Man, I met this guy. He told me everything I've ever done. When you hear that, you're like, that doesn't sound like the most wild story. It was wild for some folks. But God used that story in people's lives. And that's what he wants to do in you and through you. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe there's someone in the room. And you say, man, I want to make this my own. I've been believing, but it's been my faith. It's been my parents' faith. I want my faith to be mine. I want a story where I have an encounter with Jesus where I receive forgiveness. I want to tell you, you can have that story today. The God of the universe says, all power is yours to know you. Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to start a relationship with you. And all you have to do is turn away from your sin. And it's turn away from doing life your own way. God, I want you. I want your Right after our services, I'm going to be right outside these double doors with some chairs, some couches on the side. I would love an opportunity just to talk with you, me and some others on the altar, just to talk with you, to pray with you. Maybe you are a Christ follower, and you need to take another step. You need to say, you know what? I need some folks around me to hear my story. I, I, I need to commit maybe to follow Jesus. Maybe, maybe there's something in you that needs to change, and you need to commit to be changed by Jesus. Maybe for some of us, we need to commit to the mission of Jesus. I'm not playing around with this. What the word commit means. I'm all in on something. I'm not following anyone else. I'm following Jesus. I don't want to be changed by anyone or anything else. I want to be changed by Jesus. I don't want to commit my life to anything else besides the mission of Jesus. And I want people to have stories where they meet Jesus because of their story. We love you. We're grateful for your love to us. God, that we can look back at a story where you went out of your way and sat down with someone. Someone who everyone else said doesn't deserve it. <laughs> There's people that have said that about me. can see that you pursued her, and you used her to change the lives of people in Kansas. And so Jesus, would you do the same thing with us? 
Would you show us that you're pursuing us? That you have pursued us? You're never going to stop pursuing us. And that you want to do the same thing in us and through us this day. That living water that wells up in us. That the unending life. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to drop our buckets. Leave our buckets behind at John Bridges. And pursue you and your mission. Just to love people what you have done in us, what you are doing through us. Not on soapboxes or sermons, but in conversations and connections, in relationships. God, we love you. We worship you. We're grateful for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You guys stand and let's pray together.